This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Well, I again want to say hooray, because we have joined a new network, MaximumFun.org. You could help out by like, do you want to review the podcast on iTunes? Things like that. I know that's like a blast from the past for somebody to say that, but just because we just joined a new network, anything you could do to enhance visibility for people who've been listening for a really long time, I just so appreciate you. I also have a great guest on the show today. This just like happened by happenstance where Ashley Ray, a comedian and the host of the podcast TV, I say, happened to be my guest this week. And we talk a lot about the strike that just um, happened for SAG members. I'm a SAG member. And if you don't know what we're talking about, guess what? We've got an entire podcast where you can learn about it. It's about unions. It's about collective organizing. I just think it's really, really um, interesting. Also, if you want to help support folks who are currently out of work because of the strike, you can donate to the Entertainment Community Fund. Ashley and I also talk about this at the end of the episode or Comedy Gives Back. And um, I'm doing okay right now, but there are a ton of folks who are going to be really affected in their ability to pay their bills as the union strikes happen in Los Angeles. So if you're somebody who feels you can give support, hooray. And if you can't, please enjoy this episode and just uh, give Ashley a follow on social media. Hi. Hi. I'm welcome so glad to, to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see you. Uh, welcome to the show. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you introduce yourself? Yes, uh, I'm Ashley Ray. I'm a stand-up comic. Uh, I have a podcast called TV I Say with Ashley Ray, where I talk to your favorite stars, actors, and TV writers about the TV they love, uh, or at least I used to. Uh, I'm just laughing because the, the strikes. It's, sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to talk over you. <laughs> Say it again. You said at least I used to, and then there yes. was something after that. Uh, at least I used to until uh, all the strikes, and now I talk yeah. to your favorite TV stars and actors about anything except what they do. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is so we're recording this last yesterday. We were supposed to record yesterday afternoon, sort of just a few hours after um, the strike had been called, after there was information that at midnight at 12.01 last night yes. uh, or this morning that there was going that the that SAG, SAG-AFTRA, which is um, Screen Actors Guild, which is the guild I'm in. It's a union I'm in. It's a union you're in. Yeah, um, I I am in under not the same contract. I'm under it as like a podcast voice actor. So, oh, that's a different contract. Yeah. Yeah, that's a so different that's, contract, which is another confusing part of the whole thing of yeah. people being like, how does this work? Who exactly is on strike? Thank you for your clarity there. So because because I have another podcast that this podcast is not governed by that, but my yeah. other podcast is governed by that. And so that was also part of the confusion yesterday because I had to try to understand I'm like under contract to make that podcast but I didn't know if then that contract is binding or if what I'm expected to do is to break that contract yeah uh, because it is a separate part um I'm also governed by SAG rules as an actor and so that will affect me and I won't be able to um work in that capacity or talk about work I've done in that capacity. Yeah. And that is fine with me, even though I think for a lot of people, this will, much like the um, Writers Guild striking, um, you know, it's not that it won't have a financial effect on me or an effect on the work that gets done, um, but I'm a union man, so I'm- Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I have a union tattoo. I My mom raised me to- You have a union, union tattoo? I do, yeah. It's a- uh, this like shoe here it says union <laughs> i have like a high heel it says union on it i you good know question. i like <laughs> just real quick question shunion 
Sh- yes, Shunian. Uh, okay. Right. <laughs> Just making sure. That felt important to cover. I like, yeah, I got it to support like the LA strippers union they started. And then I was just like, oh, you know, yeah. I like all unions. So it's it's an yeah. accurate message. Absolutely. And, you know, so I'm happy to be out here making signs, hit the picket line. Yes. Uh, and I think people don't sort of realize how deep it goes, though, and how much it does impact different levels of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Obviously, people are like, actors aren't acting, makeup artists can't do their job. But mm-hmm. it does trickle down to like, oh, entertainment writers. You know, mm-hmm. I started in entertainment writing. I have a podcast where I interview people who are usually just like, you know, on a junket promoting whatever they're working on. And I got an email that was like, yeah, we've had eight people cancel because, you know, they can't promote this stuff. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I absolutely support it. And I am realizing, yes. Yeah, uh, we can't be on panels or do any press regarding uh, work. But also, like you're saying, so, yeah, it affects the folks that then cover that. And then it also affects, like anybody that works on a production yeah so when the actors and the writers aren't working then the folks who might light those shows even though there will be other types of um like unscripted work will continue to happen so like that's your sort of favorite reality shows but um there's still a giant group of people that are employed by this type of work and those folks will be working and this is wild this yeah. these two unions haven't struck together in over 60 years for anybody yes. who's listening that is not in la or part of the entertainment industry and that's most of our listeners yeah. you might not totally understand what we're talking about <laughs> but, but yeah over this, here it's a huge deal yeah this hasn't happened since eisenhower was president uh the last time Ronald eisenhower Reagan, eisenhower <laughs> eisenhower yeah, i forgot what was good like that's <laughs> Good old Dwight E. was president and Ronald Reagan (laughs) was the president of the Screen Actors Guild. So, (laughs) Oh, my God. And now the president of the Screen Actors Guild is Fran Drescher. Fran Drescher. Which I feel like a lot of people don't know, which is, I think, fucking amazing. Like, And even for people who can't place her, that is the star of The Nanny. The Nanny. Please. Yes. Oh, if you don't know Fran Drescher, you need, like, yeah. yeah. And she's... I I know she got some flack because people were saying she like went to Italy for a screening and was hanging out with the Kardashians like as negotiations were happening da da da, but you know I mean she's also an actor who has things to do and if you look at the speech she gave when they announced the strike I think it's very easy to see she is on the right side of things now you know and she even said like I didn't realize at the beginning that they weren't on our side I thought you know the AMPTP would. The how I say it right, whatever <laughs> they don't their name doesn't matter you know she was like I thought they had our best interest in mind and now I'm realizing they don't and now I see why we have to have this fight so I think you know even people who are so ingrained in old Hollywood who are like what I've never had an issue I'm successful I get my residuals even they're starting to realize like oh yeah this is changing like I'm not getting what I should yeah this is super complicated and just again for clarity because I think this is interesting from a union perspective some of the some of the reasons that that this is happening um for both unions for both SAG for both the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild two of the sort of like topics that are covered that I feel like are interesting regardless whether or not you're in the entertainment industry Um, One is how streaming has affected the way that this type of work is done. So when folks wrote for network TV, those jobs tended to last longer and tended to be, um, if your show got picked up, perhaps more stable, like if it continued to work because you would just sort of work year round on yeah you usually project. have like a 22 episode season you'd be working 50 weeks out of the year you know it's a steady job to make a show like law and order or you know how new girl used to get like 22 episodes and with streaming and how broadcast has changed now you're working on a show that probably you're lucky if you get 13 episodes or you know 12 and it might be eight like yeah, it might be probably eight gonna episodes. be eight yeah and so that means that's a totally different number of weeks a year that you're working and then also like, is that show going to come back? And are yeah. you going to be on that? But then do you have to take a job in the interim? And probably. And so, and then in terms of for actors, that also affects um, the way the contracts have worked up until this point. Because when folks would be in 22 episodes of a show, if that show would then 
say, be syndicated to other networks, you'd still make money off of that. Netflix isn't like syndicating their content to Amazon. Yeah. So that process is also broken. Yeah. It's like syndication was such a big deal for sitcoms. You hit 100 episodes and it was like guaranteed money for the rest of your life, basically. Like there are sitcom stars from the 80s who are still, you know, middle class today because they've been able to live off that. And now, like if you make a show for Peacock, Peacock does not benefit from selling that show to TBS or airing it on these networks. They want you to get a Peacock membership. So what we're seeing instead, and this is another big part of like what we're fighting for, the writers and actors, is better residuals. Uh, because we need streaming residuals since we're not getting that other thing we used to get, you know, or we were like syndication. But now the net, the the people in charge have realized that they're like, oh, you want streaming residuals? What if we just take your show off of streaming forever then? No one will ever yeah. be able to watch it and then we never have to pay you residuals. How about that then? Right. And so now they're trying to do that. But on the other side of it, they're taking the shows off their channels and they're selling them to these fast networks, which most people don't even know what they are. Uh, but if you have a smart TV, you know how there's built in like streaming channels you don't have to pay for and they just show like 80s horror movies and like old episodes of cheaters (laughs) like they will take your show off of hbo max and just run it there because they don't have to pay any money but they can still run ads in it and so yes yeah it's that's wild i mean the other thing that I, i feel like is worth mentioning is that also like a sitcom star it's not there aren't unlimited jobs especially yeah. if you've been like I often think about somebody like um <laughs> and she, this is she's like not governed by the same rules necessary actually I don't even know if she is but I think about somebody like Flo from Progressive oh yeah who like had actual acting work until yeah. she got that job like she was on Mad um, Men Exactly, an early episode yeah, of Mad Men. She's on a, yeah, like the pilot or one of the early episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it working like, in like a switch yeah, as a switchboard. switchboard as, yeah, yeah. Um, but then once she gets that job, she's such a recognizable face from that thing. It's like progressive, essentially buys her face for like the rest of her, of life. her life. Yeah, and so yes, she's like making whatever that money is, but she's also like not able to work in other yeah. ways. And I feel like this is something that maybe. At least this is something I didn't understand until living here. Yeah. And I think there is a separate like commercial contract. I was looking at the things of like what you can still do and you can still like shoot music videos and commercials right now. So a lot of people are like, well, there's more stability in just trying to become a known commercial actor than trying to get a sitcom where you might get eight episodes and it'll probably the show will be taken off of the platform and never seen by anyone again. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're getting like a eight dollar residual check. So it's it's just another way they kind of erode the creativity in our industry when like your options for actually supporting yourself are like, okay, I'll just sell my face to progressive. Right. Or your Lisa Kudrow, who again, like she does make residuals off of friends, but also she's so recognizable as Phoebe that that does impact sort of being able to blend into the stream of like a new show like it took a long time for her to get back on the air making um uh and other projects yeah and that was like really the whole part of her thing she had the show the comeback where it was like exactly it was so hard like about this yeah (laughs) yeah which is just (laughs) about this yeah and it's you know i think people don't really understand how important it is to have that like middle class Uh, group of actors you know right now it's either like you are insanely successful like Tom Cruise A-list superstar or you're just like on the other end of the spectrum trying to get there or you're just like you know I again I'm in a show with like eight episodes and no one really knows who I am except the people who are really into that show and before it used to be like oh you you know you'd be like oh that's the person from ER who's like amazing and maybe they have like a five episode guest run but like they're known for that And we're seeing that erode because it's just cheaper for Hollywood. And what they want to do is like scan every background actor, scan every guest actor so they can pay them one time and use their likeness for the rest of time. Well, wait, I want to talk about that, too. First, I want to say one thing, which is that also not and I think that people know this, but like maybe they don't really understand the scale. And I think this is also I mean, again, please like. Post on Instagram if you think this is completely not interesting, but I think this is interesting. Um, 
there are vast differences on how folks are paid on oh yeah for their appearances on shows yeah so often they just like you know for someone like me i'm just like a stand-up i'm not someone who's getting like a recurring role or anything it's like i'm gonna get paid a day rate i'm gonna come in one time and i'm probably not gonna make enough to even get like sag health insurance yeah but you know that's what they want. They want to break the unions by making yep. people kind of just eventually go, well, if I'm not making enough from SAG, like, what is the point? I can't get the health insurance. So then, you know, the numbers start to decline and decline. And that's what yep. they want to happen. They don't want unions. You know, you see now there's all of these ad companies that specifically just will book non-union, like, influencers, TikTok stars, because they can. And they know that, you know, they don't have to deal with with SAG. They don't have to deal with all those rules. And those people usually don't want to be actors. So they don't care that they're like breaking SAG's rules or they're not like trying to like work with the 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 union. So I don't know. I think this it's just this very scary, weird time where right. the industry seems to be hoping that like AI will take over for the writers, content creators and influencers will take over for the actors and everything will be fine. And the rest of the country is like, no, we like Hollywood because of the famous people and the stars we know and the writers we like. You can't right. just replace well, that with someone who like throws a bottle downstairs on TikTok. <laughs> and hey, there videos, are like though. very talented creators on these platforms. But I think that the thing that also shifts the burden of production to those folks who become yeah. um, like essentially their own lighting, their own audio, their own makeup teams. So that's also a different amount of financial investment that's required by folks who might be shifting in that direction because they don't actually have to hire like 5, 10, 20, 100 people. They're like put that burden on On say single individuals sometimes. Yeah, a content creator that they can just be like, oh, everybody loves you, do this. And, you know, a a big part of these unions and how they work and how these strikes are supported is like if you're pre-WGA, don't take a job right now. Do not scab. If you want to support the union, you can't. It might seem like this is my chance to like break ahead. You know, they're trying to hire people. But the the WGA will remember. (laughs) They will remember forever and you will (laughs) never be a member. And with SAG, it's kind of the same way, but it's just harder because, you know, if you're talking to some influencer on TikTok who's like, I don't want to be an actor. I don't want to be in a sitcom someday. I just want to make money off of TikTok, how I've been doing. I want to have a YouTube channel. You know, that same threat doesn't work as well, you know? So it comes back again to like, you know, but are you willing to do that work of like fully becoming a brand of being something where you're not just selling your soul to whatever brand deal you get? You know, how much autonomy do you want over what you do? And then again, it just brings us back to like all of these production companies trying to get us to just be like commercial actors who <laughs> who yeah, just I mean, can I, only get money working with brands. Right. I mean, I think I want to also just go back and circle around to... um because I see how much work that, you know, somebody, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you, you don't, um, I feel like I see how much work that content creators put in. And then we're talking about something like, um, so the reason that you mentioned health insurance, and this is true in my own life. Now I have health insurance through marriage. That's nice. oh, that's the goal. That's, that, it is a goal, but it's also fucked. Like yeah, I'm not sure is, that that that's should how be you have to do it. It's our like, decider. Um, yeah, is that so truly really I've considered just marrying friends because I'm like, hey, hey, you got benefits. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> but and that's because my wife works for a corporation. Um, but you know, m- corporations that hire us that have hired me. They don't have the burden to provide health insurance that actually comes through the union. So for folks who are hired outside of the union, like that's not something that is easy to get or like like that can be um, obtained through. I mean, essentially, it's like the same reason that universal health care and I'm not trying to make a direct comparison here, but like the same reason that that would affect say fast food workers like it's the same sort of a it's not the same i don't even want to get into making a financial comparison because yeah. i don't have that don't, information yeah no. <laughs> um, but i think i'm more talking about why folks push for unionization and one of those main reasons is that like health insurance in this country um you know if there's a problem that's something that can completely financially decimate yeah. anybody 
And it is um, so, so hard to get insurance. Like, I I mean, currently, I don't qualify to get it through SAG. Uh, I don't get, I don't, qual- I'm not in WGA. I'm in the Animation Guild because all the shows I've written for are animation shows that aren't covered by the WGA. It's a whole other complicated thing of how those shows are technically still writing, but different, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and in the Animation Guild, it's a higher requisite to get insurance because most of the people who were are in the animation guild are actual animators so they're like Mm. making more and then the writers are getting like a 200 dollars day rate and they're like why aren't Mm. you making 30k to get (laughs) to get insurance Mm -hmm. uh so you know i do all this work i'm in these unions and i'm supporting it but i it's still so hard to like cross that threshold of like okay you can get the insurance so instead i have to use like the cala medical whatever care which i think so many writers are on like that's you know people think like you work in hollywood you're a tv writer you're an actor like you must make so much money what do you mean you're on medical and probably every comedy writer i know is on medical is like trying to figure out their own insurance i was for a minute and then i had sag insurance and now i have um insurance through my wife's employer so like that's you know in terms of transparency like that you're i completely have had that experience myself around how complicated that is and um yeah and again it just you have to like earn it you have to yeah like earn it and people i don't think realize how many different levels there are to being a writer to being an actor you know background actors versus you know recurring characters there's different levels like it's not just oh you're an actor in LA you make money you know and I am getting so irritated because I see you know obviously there are fans who are so upset that like their comic cons are going to be ruined because there aren't going to be actors there you know people are upset that like euphoria won't be able to come back until 2026 now because of the, the strikes pushing it And first of all, understand that's the fault of the production companies. That's the motion picture people's fault, not the writers. Okay, they're the ones who don't want to give us what they want, uh, what we want. But also, it's just like, I promise you, those actors wish they could be doing this. They want to be doing it. They want to support their stuff. They want to promote it. But it's just so necessary because we're struggling. Like most of those actors who are doing Comic-Con, they're doing it because they need to sign autographs to pay rent. Like they're not making enough in residuals from like that sci-fi show you liked from five years ago that only ran two seasons. (laughs) Like they're doing this because they have to. They're making cameo videos because they have to to support themselves. Like no matter how successful you think the show is, like look at something like The Bear now, you have the writers coming out and being like, I couldn't even make enough money to like go to the Emmys. I can't afford it. You see the actors coming out being like, you know, I didn't really get paid a lot for doing the first season of this because they didn't even know if it would be a hit. So as much yeah. as it seems like this glitz and glam, it's like, please understand these are workers. <laughs> like we're, st- we're still just workers. <laughs> back for another game you know it what's going on just one more week till max fun drive (laughs) hard to believe it's been a heck of a year since the last one we're now a worker-owned co-op we raised fifty thousand dollars for charity last year and we've added a bunch of awesome new shows but do you think we're ready to do it again absolutely lovely new gifts are lined up The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! You know, for myself, I I'm I feel um, really privileged uh, because I have been able to have a career. I would consider myself a successful stand-up comic, a successful podcaster. Um, I had a best-selling book. I yeah. would consider myself a successful actor, like on the scale of what I thought I might be able to do in terms of work. Um, it's really beyond what I ever imagined. And then also... Um, I put together a living combining all those combining all those things. And for me, like because I'm able to combine those things, it's it's a pretty good living. Like I'm not trying to undersell the living that I can make, but also I couldn't make a living doing one of those things. One of those things. So yeah. that's I think the other thing that I'll say is like most of the folks that are in these situations, like they don't have that type of pivot 
yeah. um, ability. It's literally just because I started as a comic. As a comic, I have yes. that, and so um, that's a that's like a wild position of privilege where, yeah. Um, and I'm not even talking about an ability to um, continue to. Like there are, you know, stand updates that I will honor because those are separate contracts. And so that's something that I'm not trying to break all the other contracts in my life because that will yeah. continue to impact me for future. Um, but like it is wild to be like, I oh, I like ticked all of these different things. Yeah. And still, if I did one of those, any one of those, I would absolutely not. Yeah. Be able to make a living. That's so fucking wild. Yeah, like one brick falls out. It's like I'm a podcaster. I do this. I do. I still do freelance writing on the side and entertainment yeah. writing. And it's like if one brick falls, I, I it's hard to live in LA all of a sudden. And slowly, yeah. like those bricks are starting to fall. And every time, like I'm so thankful that I do stand up comedy and started there because when the writers went on strike, I booked a tour. I was like, well, yeah. I can go on tour. I can make money doing that. You know, with the actor strike, I'm like, well, I'm putting my album out. I can still do stand up. And I, with the actor strike, I am curious. Like I've been hearing all of these, you know, comics who are just like full time comics know. being like the writer strike made a lot of good stand ups like come back to comedy, and now the actor strike is happening, and all the bad comics yeah. are going to come back. Totally, I know it's going to be. Oh God, everybody's going to come clogged clogged back to comedy. System. It's, yeah. <sighs> it's um. But I also want to just tell you that. So yesterday we had this uh, recording set, and then. When we got on the recording, like like I said, it was a couple hours after the strike had been called. And there's a couple things I didn't know. Like, I didn't know if I could make my other podcast, like I said. And I had recording scheduled for that. And I also was supposed to go make an appearance at a film festival. And that, again, also helps me because it, it makes me um, part of the pantheon of people that might be working you know like yeah putting my face out there and hiring a makeup artist to do my makeup at my house and putting together an outfit and all those things um yeah, actually all that do those things money. myself yeah, yeah same um, like people don't re like every time i if you see me at a tv premiere or anything i pay to do my own makeup take it like outfit just so it's like yeah. I'm here and I clearly am involved. Hire me, Hollywood. <laughs> like it yeah, truly totally. is it's like a, a thing. job yeah. interview. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It is a job interview. And then also I'm lucky right now. I mean, just again, it's, I feel like I have to say these things to, I have like a brand partnership um, with a clothing company that supplies me a lot of the clothes that I wear. Um, and that again, massive position of privilege. Cause I also buy a lot of stuff. I mean, it's not like they don't, uh, supply everything and this is the first time in 20 years of uh performing that that's been true like in the last six months that's been yeah. true so prior to that for 20 years that yeah. wasn't true it's like you um, have to you have to work so hard as a comic to get to that yeah. level where people are yeah. like oh we want to dress you for your special yeah. and until then you're truly just like when i was the tour i just did i was like shopping everywhere trying to put together looks for like yeah. every show that were Absolutely. different and you're gonna get photographed and yeah. it's just like, again, one of those costs that I think people don't realize like we have to do. It's part of the work. And if I there were, like I have friends who are like, well, just don't do it. Like, just like show up, you know, just be you. And I'm like, do you know how this works? <laughs> like yeah, if I did one show without makeup on, I'm pretty sure my manager would call me like, are you sick? What's wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> well, I do a lot of shows without makeup on and I do look like um, <laughs> garbage. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I literally have a black eye right now, as you can see. And I've, yes. been like, I've just been out in the world with a black eye. We're doing fine. We're, We're doing, doing fine. fine. Everything's uh, good. Anyway, so I like I I had to make a bunch of calls just to find out like can I do this work. Um, ended up not going to the film festival. Uh, and like canceling on some folk. Like I had to cancel on my makeup artist. She's somebody I've known for a long time, so she that was like fine with her, but it is like weird. And then this other thing, I'm making calls to folks to be like, can I even do this or, you know, whatever am I going to be like, are they going to like, you know, come after me for breaking a contract or am yeah. I supposed to do it or whatever? And so anyway, in the middle of all that, <laughs> this is just funny. I understand like people's jobs are complicated. This is not, I'm not, we're not alone in having complicated jobs. Um, but in the middle of that, the power lines outside of my house, one and a half doors down, exploded. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's <laughs> just so was, LA, honestly. It <laughs> exploded. And there was a huge, the power lines were on fire. Oh my God. Like a raging 
fire on the power lines. And so like when the fire department showed up, that first of all, they couldn't like immediately spray water on it because it is fucking oh, electricity, electricity. Right, right. And it's electrical <laughs> fire. And then also everybody was like coming out of their houses because that's like what you yeah, do, when you, what you do when you hear an explosion and you see fire. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- instead there were like fire trucks and like helicopters making the announcement of like, go in your home. This is not a safe place to be outside because there are power lines everywhere everywhere right and yeah. like i don't know i'm basing all this on just like the movie backdraft which i saw as a child and like I nothing mean, else but i'm pretty sure that fire could just like travel down travel a, power, the, a power, power line. line right like yeah. that feels true and go to your house i feel like exactly. they and the power lines go to the house like right? number one it could go to your house but number two it's like it could travel to the next thing and explode that thing so they had the entire street like roped off with caution tape and the lights and like i like turned a bunch of stuff off but some of it like my ac you still had power so i'm just telling you that hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> like i don't know how to unplug my ac it's like it's like built into the house yeah, like yeah you know like i don't know how to and it wasn't I like, know you how to, like yeah. just turn it off like i don't like i mean ma- i literally like maybe there's like a I just moved into this house. There's probably some sort of master switch. There's but like, like a thing, I but don't know everything that. was like off in my house, but it kept surging. The power oh. kept surging. So like I unplugged the stuff I could exp- un- unplug, but it was like, um, I feel like stuff that's was like yeah. roaring to life as if I was inside of a horror movie about <laughs> like your air conditioning killing you. And again, also, I have air conditioning, which is amazing, but it was also, it's like, there's a huge yeah, like heat wave, heat wave yeah. going on Is that on what in caused LA. the fire? Like, I'm, I'm sure that's what caused the fire. Yeah. I mean, based on, again, truly nothing. True, just based on how I think fire works. Yeah, from I'm like, the fire TV I watch. comes from hot, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. And so hot <laughs> electricity, boom, boom, explode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, oh my God. And then also like, I've never heard an electrical fire that is coming from that much power has a sound. Whoa, it sounded okay. like like um zaps, but like from I don't even know, but like, yeah, like so loud. That's so terrifying. loud. And also like I couldn't get out of nobody yeah, could get out. Could you out. like leave the neighborhood cuz I would just be like I'm leaving. I don't want to be But here. like it it for num- well, number one, I was like, I don't really know. Well, they didn't evacuate us. So I was like, I kind of trust the fire. The fire yeah. department if is one of those ones that, that I feel more like that's not like that's yeah, like, like fire. The, you know, they're not cops. Exactly. That's what that's where I went with yeah. <laughs> like the like, fire okay. department. But then also it's like it wasn't easy to like I wasn't. I don't, do you like go down the block and then like call a lift? Cause I couldn't like get my car, like the street yeah, was closed. Like, so then I, it's like, what do yeah. you do? And like, what do you flee with? And are you supposed to like stay in your house? Stay in and, your house. Like, I think about this a lot. Throw living water in LA. on things. Yeah. Like, I just didn't know what to do. Like, I live in an area where I, when we had that random flooding in the winter, it flooded really bad and they had to evacuate parts. Uh, mm. I'm not too far from like where the, I don't, I don't know, the like, fires were that were close to like Burbank or something Pasadena wherever that was and I'm always just like what do I do like if I have to do I just get in my car and try to drive out of the city do I right. like so get on a plane I told I mean the, the get on a plane the plane I used to live in the foothills of Pasadena and so there was like a fire plan and like an evacuation plan you have to have like your go bag the our neighborhood was like mapped so that they knew where um, older adults were anybody with what? like developmental disabilities so that they could make sure to like get those people out. It was like a whole system, but um, an electrical fire and your streets blocked off is a totally different, That's... like, I don't know what the fuck. I truly don't know what you're supposed to do. And I have like a yeah. dog. <laughs> I just, I don't, I actually still don't know today. Yeah. What are you supposed to do? What do you, I, what do, you do? I mean, I guess it worked out. You're okay. You're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your house is still Eventually, standing. Eventually, I just went to sleep. <laughs> that's even what I was, there yeah. were like active, not sirens, but um, lights. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, 
uh, red turning. Yeah, the like fire disco truck lights, light. fire fire truck disco lights. Yeah. I feel like anytime I'm here and it's like, oh, there's an earthquake. Oh, we lost power. I'm just like, I'm gonna just go sleep through this. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't I can't know deal. if that's the right call. It is the call I made. Yeah, it's what I do, and uh, time will tell if that works for me in life. <laughs> also, then so throughout the night, and I, I have, like, I've lost power for days because of fires. Because yeah. Fires this is LA. Are yeah. Part of living in LA. Um, but it throughout so they eventually put out the fire. I only know that because I then heard men yelling all night. Not in like a they were trying to be rude, but um the like ComEd or whoever oh, yeah. sent folks out. I feel like they have to fix that in a different way, like in yeah. terms of urgency. So yeah. this morning I woke up and it was fucking fixed. They like replaced a light pole and like all of the the metal st- the shit that's yeah, the on stuff it on it <laughs> and the other the thing that goes across the top that oh a my, bird yeah. might sit on yeah yeah the stringy <laughs> string things <laughs> yeah and the little very scientific terminology the little here. the thing the little bar across where Jesus that is so wild because I feel like this is wrong. Comet is- does not work quickly usually. Like I like in Chicago with Comet, I would be out of power for days, and just like yeah. we'd all be like, "Hey, come fix this thing." And five days later, someone's like, "Oh yeah, we're here to fix it." So I love that they're like, "Yeah, I guess that's probably a big emergency." It, it makes like, sense, yeah. right? Because of like you can't have fires, you can't have but, fires. Um, you can't- you can't just have things blowing up and then just leave yeah, it that yeah. way, I guess. But they, f- Fair. they fixed it in the middle of the night. And so, again, it's like, talk about people having jobs. Yeah. <laughs> like, number one, the fire department exists. Yeah. That's wild. Amazing. And they and have number- unions. Wonderful. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they do. And number two, the 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 pole, the pole guys, the yeah. pole climbers. And they're just working all the time. Like there's people at ComEd overnight. Yeah, who like, are just like you know, and I I know that's I'm how they do it. I'm here for my one a.m. shift. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's hard for me to imagine as like a writer and comic where I'm like I wake up at noon. <laughs> like <laughs> no, overnight they're like climbing up a thing. They were they did it. They replaced. I just have regular. I have like power today. Yeah. See, those are the people who do who like deserve Sazlov's salary. Like what Bob Iger gets. Those people should be getting it. Okay, can you like, give a reference to Bob Iger for anyone? Oh, oh yes. If you don't know uh, Bob Iger, he's the CEO of Disney, who mm-hmm. came out the day the strike was announced for uh, actors and was like, "They're just being unreasonable. Like, how could we possibly give in to these demands? They need to be realistic." Uh, and then quickly, everyone pointed out that he makes uh, something around seventy-three k a day. Uh, a day he gets paid <laughs> well, billions of dollars a year and everyone's like what do you know about what's realistic bob like oh what, why are you making that much money to basically be like huh you know what we should do star wars reboot let's do another one <laughs> <laughs> well anyway just a shout out to uh the pole guys that i don't think yeah. are making 73k yeah. no but they should be because yeah they should be that's I think scary you, you i'm always like can... climbing those poles look so dangerous and scary to me like i know i mean they must have had like a cherry picker too oh right yeah how do they get the stuff the up stuff there? up there right i, mean, I, I guess think they're still climbers but yeah like it's not the i don't know 1980s anymore where they just like send someone up there with like the little ladder <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I just you know. Anyway, yesterday was a weird day. It was a weird day, <laughs> and like people don't realize, LA is a union town, and everyone's here just working, trying to get by. Okay, you're either an actor just trying to make a living, or you're someone who has to deal with fires <laughs> constantly. Yeah. Okay, it's hard yeah, to live yeah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Your various fire. Just so many uh, fires. Fire addressing people. People who address fires. Address the fires. Ways. They're doing cables. And I, it's just an amazing place to live and be. And everyone should get paid enough to afford to live here if they dare to do it. Wait, so here's a question. Do I know this? Are you from Chicago? I am. Yes. Uh, that's We're where I from started. Chicago. Uh, I lived in Logan Square, like all 
pretty much the whole do time. Do I know you from that time? I don't so, think so, no, right? I moved there 2013. and Oh, I moved here in 2012. Yeah, I was going to say, you had just left because I started doing stand-up at Kohl's. And that's, like, where I started. Like, that was my first open mic. And Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Sherman, Sarah Squirm, who's now SNL Big Star, uh, and Beck O'Neill, they were the new hosts who had come in, like, right after you, I think. <laughs> Yeah, and that is a mic that I started. Yeah. I started that mic. And it's still going um, strong. I was just there last month. <laughs> yeah, it's still going strong. I felt very proud of that because a lot of people came through that mic. Oh, and yeah. And the, like, stand-up class that called Femcom that, like, yes. still runs also that was, like, fed that mic and sort of changed the demographics oh absolutely the open mic scene in chicago yeah like um, i only started doing stand-up because i was doing like spoken word like i do uh the mm. uh, uh paper machete and like that kind of stuff oh yeah yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just do yeah, a lot right. of like like reading short stories and then sarah saw me one time and was like you know you're funny you should just like stick to the jokes in your stories <laughs> you should wow. come to my open mic and i was wow. like i don't know i've been to some open mics in chicago and they're so like guy heavy and just like not great and she was like i always just put the girls up first like if you're a girl if you're a person of color you're gonna go up within the first hour at cole's open mic and yeah. i did i went and just immediately fell in love with it like i still remember my first time on the cole stage and oh i think just telling like little baby gay jokes and being like i knew i was gay since i was born in a flannel or whatever bad material i had back then <laughs> Wait, tell me about the first time you performed there oh my god yeah like i i'd been going a while like i scouted it out you know cole's open mic is legendary in chicago now i mean like hannibal burris will show up uh tim meadows like actually was there the night that i first did it he just was like in the neighborhood and sarah finally was like you're doing it i'm putting you on the list tonight you're gonna do it and i was just like i'm not ready i'm not ready (laughs) i was like i've only written like two jokes and she's like you only get like three minutes so it's fine Uh, And she put me on the list. I remember going up. uh, I had a joke about a guy who masturbated in a McDonald's and then a joke about like being gay and making out with my my size Barbie uh, to both of which I still tell in my set, actually. (laughs) And I just like. I loved it. Cole's now, it, or maybe it always has been this way. It's very like a young crowd of like college yes. students. It's like not far from uh, the DePaul bus, like on Fullerton. So like a lot of college students come. And I just remember all these drunk college kids laughing so hard. I am sure I was not that funny. <laughs> I'm sure they were just very yeah. drunk because it's Cole's. Uh, but just that energy and being like, oh my gosh, people are supporting me. And then if you know Cole's open mic, like all the real comics, like stand in the back and kind of judge you. Oh my god! I don't know if it was like that like... when you made it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, right. Well, so my sister was a dancer in Chicago, um, and she had her own dance company. And so I used to go see a ton of modern dance because they would be in like festivals, they'd have performances, but oftentimes, I mean, sometimes they'd have like a full show that was theirs, but a lot of times it would be like a combination of all the people who were yeah. in the city, you know? And um, from there, it's like, so I was like, I did like some, I did some queer art stuff, you know, like I would like show up and do like queer art things, but because my sister was in the dance scene and she's a little older than me, um, I would go to those shows all the time. Those people start to know me. And then I was like in that friend group too. And from there, that's like, I eventually joined the circus because there's like, there was like a overlap of circus performers and dancers. And so like I got to tour with a circus company, which was really amazing. And then another side of that is that my, one of my sister's friends from her dance company, uh, Leah Rafanti, shout out to Leah, also <laughs> a union organizer for teachers in Chicago. Yes. Um, she had this friend uh, from, from I think, college, high school. I literally can't even remember because it's so many years ago. Coleman Bryce. Oh, my God, um, Cole. So, yeah, the Cole. Yeah, so I Cole knew of Cole. Coles. <laughs> yeah, and at that time, he was working a corporate job, and he slept on a mattress on the floor. Um, and he saved like you all have, of his, he spent like no money. It is wild saved, like, to imagine Cole that way when like my time in Logan Square, everyone called him like the daddy of Logan Square. Like he was this yeah. like, biz- like it was like he owns Coles. He's such a big deal. No, he was like 23 or however old we all were, you know, and he was sleeping on a floor and his dream was to open a bar. And at that time, this area of Chicago was now some of this involves 
some gentrification because yeah. that area was really changing. It's like historically, um, there are a lot of Puerto Rican families there, yeah. you know, like a lot of Mexican like a, families yeah, there. Yeah, huge Mexican Puerto Rican area. Yeah. My stepdad grew up there. So that like I used to go there as a kid and he would be like, this is dangerous. And I remember when Logan Square Auditorium opened. I was in like oh, yeah. sixth grade and Andrew Bird was doing a show there. And I was like, oh, my God. I got to go see Andrew Bird. And he was like, Logan, uh-huh. that's a dangerous little area. I'm not letting you go over there. Right. And now and he, like, I'm like, if you saw it today, you'd be like, what is happening? Like, what are these little brunch spots? Like there's right. little neighborhood festivals. Yeah. Logan Square, Square Auditorium. At the time I'm talking about Logan Square Auditorium was like throwing a few shows. There was a restaurant called Lula that uh, existed. Yeah. Um, that still exists. It still exists and still very and good. Other than that, um, it was it was a place that was ex- especially on this particular strip of Milwaukee Avenue um, that is between train stops yes. because the L in Chicago runs right through this area. There was a particular strip that was having a hard time supporting businesses. So, like folks, because it was like far enough from. Yeah, the train folks weren't like supporting a ton of business in this area, so there were some like empty storefronts, sort of a thing. And so that is where Cole decided to open his bar, and there weren't a ton of other places around. And so he was looking for a place to like a way to attract um, patrons. And again, like like this is like the many of the things we've talked about so far. This is complicated, right? Because he was opening a business in. You know, he's a white man. He's opening a business that will partially change a neighborhood, but also there weren't businesses that were. Yeah, I think um, probably the only things there that time were like uh, Dos Amigos, that like uh, taco place that was right down from Coles that was there for a long time. And then like the two way, which is like the diviest dive bar in the world where they those were like the two thriving businesses. (laughs) And everything else was like There were a few bodegas. Yeah, some bodegas. Um, but, But besides that, there really wasn't. There were like weren't a ton of businesses able to survive in that area. So yeah. he um was looking for a way to like this is so funny too for anybody that like has any context for stand-up comedy, but I, a young upstart, was like, I know exactly what could bring business into your bar. An open <laughs> An mic. Open <laughs> mic. <laughs> and like open mics are not they don't make money like, anything. Yeah. But I had a mem- membership in these different communities, like the dance scene, the circus scene, the queer scene. And I was teaching a class um, and for folks who were, for women who wanted to do stand-up. And now it also includes like non-binary folks. Yeah. Um, uh, but oh, I, forgot I had all these people to actually invite. And I think most people that had mics, they don't have like a built-in group of people to invite. Yeah. Um, and so that is part of like what made it kind of awesome. Yeah. Because most people start their mics so they can get their own stage time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like, yeah. And I, I feel like Cole's always like maintain that vibe of like, this is the place where like you go to try it. It's more diverse. You're not going to show up and see like 10 white guys like doing the same joke. It's like yeah. every new host that like took it over maintained that. It was like, no, I am going to bring diverse comics in. I'm going to make yeah. this like, an event and also a kind of, Hey, you never know who's famous. It might show up. Uh, so that it truly still to this day is like probably Cole's like biggest event every week, like Wednesday at Cole's for the open mic, it'll be packed. It's going to be packed until close at 4am Cole's a Mm. 4am bar now. (laughs) I didn't know that. Holy shit, dude. It's a 4am. So like, yeah, no. And they do. Yeah. We went till two. Yeah, wow. they do the okay. open mic until like three something. And it used to be bad when you would get that like 1 a.m. slot. Getting the 2.30 slot is uh, just kudos to the comics making it today because <laughs> that would not be me. I would be like 2.30, I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm not doing this. I know. But I mean, I used to go to the 4 a.m. bar after hosting that. to like, The Continental? Which one? <laughs> decompress, yeah. which by the way is stupid just go home but yes anyway i was just I would like do riding that. my bicycle like <laughs> I, I just too. Like, i would just bike up and down milwaukee oh i would go to the owl well. or the continental after like doing a bunch of shows and be like now i can relax and it's like why am i still just drinking with comics i should just go home and sleep uh I know. but like 
it created this little camaraderie. Like you kind of knew yourself as like a Coles comic. Like I knew yeah. I was like a Coles comic. Like, oh you know, I didn't hit the open mic at the Laugh Factory where it's just going to be like a bunch of dudes, you know, and it made me really funny. Like it's such a good place wow. because at the back of the room you have all of these legit comics yeah. who have made it in Chicago. Sometimes people like come in from New York, they go to Coles, like you know, that's yeah. where everyone goes and you would get off stage, walk through the back. And like, if you got even one head nod from like one of the legit totally. comics, it was like, I did it. I did it. Okay. Well, right. Yeah. Cause I also had, I also had like access to those folks too. So yeah. the reason I was like telling this whole story is cause you were like, were there comics always in the back of the room? And the answer is fucking yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I would invite anybody I opened for to, um, come through and like people did like Reggie Watts did or yeah. you know like like Tim Meadows did when when I was there and all those folks and um Bobcat Goldthwait and like all these folks that it like made a difference so the reason I'm saying all of this is number one I can't fucking believe that I'm like so I feel so proud and like yeah, so truly I would not you. do comedy without you and that's oh, why I was so God. excited to do this like this you is so created that cool. space I'm and, like I'm like red in the face. No, that's so that's so cool. Like it still is the award-winning spot to do comedy in Chicago. Victoria Vincent, who hosts it now, she just got like new yeah. faces at JFL unrepped. Like it's <sighs> the way to go. It's such a like wonderful establishment. And Cole sold it. He doesn't own it anymore. Uh, but you know, he just sold it to like two people who had been bartenders there for like 12 years. So it's like oh still God. in the family. <laughs> oh my God. And I know Victoria, like I know everybody who's hosted their sense because when I go to Chicago, there's usually the people who open for me. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool. It does feel, um, it does feel really important to me. And I think part of why this feels so relevant to this podcast, um, like to query specifically is that I think so much stupid lip service has been paid to the idea of cancellation, cancel culture to like, to, I mean, I'm even thinking about like recent decisions around affirmative action or, yeah. you know, in the Supreme court. And I just think about how I, I, I so rarely hear folks talk about the massive benefit to an entire scene, to an entire industry, to, I mean, college admissions, to, to any, how much it like raises the bar yeah. for a scene when people are talking about different shit. Exactly. And it also makes the other comics, like it makes white dudes more interesting if yeah. they're broken. This is what I used to say oh, yeah. to dudes when I would break, when I would because like people would get there really early to sign up, but I would tell yes. dudes to their faces, like, I just want you to know when I um put like a woman of color or like queer person, non-binary person, like in front of you, it makes you more interesting because you're gonna talk about some of the same shit that that guy talked about. Yeah. And so like please allow me to give you an open yeah. stage where you're not fucking drown out by the other dude who just talked before you who just talked to you before you about the same news topic and it just like expands your world i felt like the like white guy comics who and there i mean when i was coming up there was like a group of like white dude comics and even just like a group of like black dude comics who were like we're the guy comics who hold it down at Coles, <laughs> you know but even they For would sure. just like approach things with more like openness like they would come to like you know the women or queer people and be like hey what do you think of this tag like do you think like this works do you think mm -hmm. this makes sense should I change the wording on this and it just like you know those are still the people that I consider like my comedy community that I like hit up when I'm like oh. hey I'm stuck on this you know and it's all yeah. people that I'm like oh yeah we've been doing shows at Coles together for like eight nine years wow that's amazing yeah yeah and and wow like what a what a gift um you must have been to those to those folks. Uh, I like to think so. I think now, yes. And sure. I, at the time, I mean, it, the comedy scene in Chicago is very competitive because it's so small. Uh, you know, there's very like isolated scenes. But if you choose the like, I'm a Logan Square comic, I do Coles, I do alt comedy in Chicago, you know, you're very like relegated to that part of the city. Like you're not probably going to book stuff on the South side where they're like, we book black comics. You're probably not going to get stuff in like Wrigleyville or the Laugh Factory where they're like, we book club comics. So mm -hmm. it was this really just like little competitive thing where you're like, okay, we have like four stages, you know, there's like now the Lincoln Lodge, a few other places 
and you're just like fighting for that stage time. And then Coles was like this one space where it's like, we don't have to fight. <laughs> like we can genuinely Whoa. just like try jokes here. Uh, and then as soon as we walk out of Coles, we'll snicker behind our backs and be like, that so-and-so is not funny. How come they got Lincoln Lodge? So... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I feel like I have so many more questions for you and we're like at the end. This uh, is like this You have This is rough. Like I'm you so have, glad you we were a lodge. Did you have like did you get Lincoln Lodge? Yeah, I was uh yeah, I was a cast member there yeah. for a while. The new Lincoln Lodge is amazing by the way. If you haven't been yet, it is the I spot kind of. Yet. It is really they turned it around by the time I was doing comedy people were like why would I apply to Lincoln Lodge? It's like a weird place that doesn't even get an audience. And now it's like, yeah. oh, this is like an actual cool thing again. <laughs> yeah, when I oh god, I mean, I could talk about this forever, but yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I have so many other things to say about this. Actually like Oh, it's up there. I have like a I have a coaster in my house of the old Lincoln Lodge that used oh. to be the back of a Waffle House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have so many things to say to you about not, well, like Chicago, but I want to hear like your evolution from that to this. We just don't have time. Yeah. We, we, oh, I mean, all we like to, stuff. and it's part it's, of it is because we talked so much about fucking unions, which I love. Yeah. This is such a weird episode of the show, <laughs> but it's because I, I mean, for me, I'm so worked up. Same. Um, I just like I truly have spent my whole like the past since the strike was announced, like redoing my entire calendar, like figuring out how I'm going to replace because I also do a lot of like hosting panels. You know, I they, I'm a comic. They'll send me to red carpets to like interview people and be funny. I go to comic cons and they like have me interview people. And now I'm just like, oh, that's my it's all gone. <laughs> that was yeah. my job for the next two months. And now what do we do? So. So how do you feel about that? I guess that's the final question they'll ask, like. Do you, are you feeling, um, like a sense of like imminent financial stress? I mean, I know yeah. that many, <laughs> many people are, I know for me, I'm still trying to f understand what I can and can't do. It's like, yeah. it's still bit so, still so new. Um, how does that feel for you? Yeah, it's like I'm feeling the financial stress. And again, I'm really privileged and lucky because I can still do stand up. I can still do my podcast. Uh, I can still do work with the Animation Guild. Uh, we're not on strike, so I can still work on animated shows. And I'm, I'm figuring out the voice work stuff. It's like I can still do voice work for animated shows, but I can't for like narration or live mm -hmm. action stuff. It's like very complicated, mm -hmm. but it's like at least I still have some like, you know, like it, revenue coming in. Uh, but it's still the I guess right now the scary part to me is like when the strike is over, where does stuff land? Like, obviously, we're not just going to pick up where we left off. Like, we're going to have a. Yeah just new slate and a new landscape and it's like okay how is this gonna work yeah for me um i called my sister last night uh and i realized as i was talking to her that i was also having like some fear that related to early covid days like because i lost every I was supposed to go on like this big book tour and. Um, oh yeah. I've, I had so, that was like my, I like had just done an HBO thing and I was like, yeah. I just booked all this stuff. It's about to pop off for me. I got this tour with like the Lucas brothers. I got this. And then yeah. it was just like, Oh, never mind. No. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just like, this is, I mean, truly. So I was doing shows, um, where I would like ask people if they would be willing, like I was supporting, I was doing some donation. I was paying comics and I was also paying myself from shows that I was doing on zoom, like yeah. very early. And because I'm queer, like thank God yeah. there was like a generous and interested audience. So yeah. like I was able to, uh, support a theater here in LA called dynasty typewriter who, Love Dynasty. Oh. I worked with uh, to make a stand-up class and like was able to donate a significant portion to them, a significant portion of money to the Lincoln Lodge, actually. Um, and Which kept them comics. afloat also. Like they had just yeah. moved into that new venue. And I remember them being like, we just moved into a new space. We were going to operate under the assumption of like, hey, we probably won't make much money the first year. Uh, turns yeah. out we're not going to make any. <laughs> I think that even though I'm not under 
I don't feel the same amount of dread because like you said, I've got other ways of making a living. I think I just feel a little bit of a flashback to that time and some like real fear because of having same. had that experience. Yeah, where I'm just like, I've seen it all just like disappear before and I'm starting back at ground zero and you know, I am hopeful. I think that like I think both unions are gonna get exactly what they want. I think that, you know, finally the the AMPTP is gonna realize they can't tell us what to do, that they're not gonna break us. And it'll just be like this huge waste of time of they could have just met us at the table originally, given us what they wanted, given us what we wanted, and we could have all kept working. And instead mm-hmm. we're gonna like come back, we're gonna have these better protections, and it's gonna be like what what is even getting made? What are we doing? What is, yeah. So I'm also kind of excited for that though. I'm also kind of excited to see, you know, I think new voices are going to get opportunities. I'm hoping that like the better residuals and larger rooms allow for more queer voices, more people of color to like get out there and actually get these jobs. So that's what I'm hoping we see when this is all over. And I'm going to be an optimist because I'm a Sagittarius. So Boy, you had so much to say. I don't know how this happened, but you were the perfect guest for today. This like, was so, yeah. I, I wanted to talk to you anyway for a while, but like, I Damn. don't know how the stars aligned that it was today because you, you know, have so much information about yeah, this particular. Topic. I wanted to talk like, to you because I truly wanted to be like, tell me everything about Coles. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cute. Yeah, no, I mean, but like, you could have been, you know an epidemiologist or like, you know, whatever, like I just mean it. So this is, yeah, I really appreciate your time, especially in this like moment of uncertainty. And I really appreciate your expertise and like how much info you have, because this was able to be like a really productive conversation around this, you know, evolving news item in both of our lives. Yes. Uh, And if I can say one more thing to your listeners, if you want to, if you want to support everybody on strike, go donate to the entertainment community fund. Donate to the entertainment, give them money, just entertainment community fund. I don't know the website, but <laughs> if you Google um, it, what's that? they also have an unusual Instagram handle. It's like, I love the arts. Or yeah, something like it that. like doesn't but really I, make sense and you might get confused, but yes. that entertainment fund, it is not just supporting people in the unions, but it is also supporting the people who do our makeup, who do our hair, yes. who aren't working right now. Uh, it's supporting comedians, even if you have if you don't have WGA or SAG membership, but you can prove you've made money from comedy for the last five years, they will help you out. So that is only made possible by so many donations. So please yeah. donate because we're probably going to be on strike for a little bit. So I think that's amazing. And you know what? I'm going to also include that at the top of the show because I think that's the, I think that's completely, I like love that you're um, calling attention to that. I just posted about that on Instagram also. Yeah. Um, and another I'm like one retweeting that, and I'm like, come on guys. Yeah. Another thing I would, oh, Twitter still exists for you. It doesn't matter. This <laughs> is a different barely, conversation. Yeah, that's a uh, different conversation. Barely. I, just <laughs> a whole other hour. But, um, <laughs> Another one that I will just say, this is just like another plug for like that. You're right. um, The entertainment community fund. Another thing I will just mention is uh, Comedy Gives Back. Yes. Which is a 501c3 organization that actually has financially supported me during a time of medical need. Uh, They they supported um, me during COVID. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they they specifically help comics who are in financial need um, and... So we love them too. Yes. And that's Donate to them too. Cause let yeah. me tell you all your comedy writer, but like we are struggling. <laughs> yeah. 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 Specifically. Yeah. And now like, um, I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, with this other track, I should book more stand up shows. And then I'm like, oh my God, we're about to see it. So many actors like hitting yeah. these clubs up again. Like, will they even have dates available now? Like it's yeah. going to be me going up against some like C-list actor from like an NBC show that was canceled 10 years ago. And it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> Is that is that me? No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, Ashley, I we gotta go. I have yes. to tell you to do the thing that I always ask everybody to do, which is to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. Ooh, ooh. Okay, I I mean I'm gonna go with with a a deep cut kind of it's uh the office in Rockford Illinois uh, which is where I I grew up before I went to Chicago uh, if you watched a league of their own which I'm also gonna shout out because it should have gotten Emmy nominations and it didn't I'm angry about it uh, but that show is based in Rockford where I grew up and there's an episode where they go to the office like how it was back in the like I don't know 40s or 50s whatever the show is set uh, and it used to truly be like a speakeasy gay bar 
bar. You would walk in, it looked like an office, and then someone would move a file cabinet and you would go to the back. Uh, and by the time I grew up, it was an openly gay bar called The Office that like had big windows. Uh, and my cousin was a DJ there and she would sneak me in when I was underage. And it was just one of those safe spaces where I was like, oh my gosh, they have books on being gay. And oh my goodness, there's they just have rainbows out. This is amazing. So I was rewatching that show and I loved seeing like the history of that bar represented. So I want to give a shout out to the office in Rockford, Illinois, which is still thriving. Thank God. Uh, and go watch a league of their own. <laughs> I had no idea about that. And I am so glad to know about that. It's I cannot yeah. wait to make a pilgrimage to Rockford to go there. Yes. And that is the only cool place to go in Rockford. So that's, that's the only place you, you got it. Out. Yeah. Um- <laughs> I've been to Rockford. I just have never been to the Yeah, office. yeah, there's, yeah. Uh, all right, Ashley. Um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks yeah, for I having really, me. Really, like, I could talk to you about nine million more things. Truly, I'm just So like, we'll just yeah. do that off air. We'll have to do yeah. that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> cool. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artists-owned shows, supported directly by you.